right, put your hands together, everybody. Glad to be here, glad to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If we haven't met before, uh, my name is Scott. And one of the pastors here, and on behalf of the church family, we are absolutely thrilled that you are here. As we kick off December and our new December series called Jesus is King. I'm going to try again. <laughs> now, if you capture this truth, it will revolutionize the message of Christmas. If you miss out on the fact that Jesus was king, you'll see Jesus as a baby, and you'll see the camels, and you'll see the presents, but you'll miss out. If you capture the message that Jesus is king, it will revolutionize this coming week for you. So let me try it one more time. Jesus is king. All right. There's something deep in our hearts that is fascinated with royalty. Uh, the stories in our culture of the king and the queen, the prince and the princess. We, we even have in, in Florida uh, a kingdom, a magic kingdom in our state. But more importantly than that, in our state there's another kingdom called the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's even bigger, more majestic, and if you would really capture the truth that Jesus is the king of the kingdom, you'll find out that it actually is the happiest place on earth. It is definitely the happiest place beyond this earth. The kingdom of God. Now, Jesus was born, and we sing a song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn king. It is actually the very reason and purpose for the birth of Jesus. As Jesus came to the uh, conclusion of his life and was preparing for the cross, he had a meeting with Pilate. That meeting is recorded in John chapter 18, and he describes the purpose for his existence, why he came. Pilate is questioning Jesus, and Jesus is not saying very much, and Finally, Pilate tries to power up on Jesus and says, don't you know who I am? Don't you know the authority that I have, that I have the authority to take your life? And Jesus, with that calm, cool, collected spirit, looked into the eyes of Pilate and said, you don't have any authority unless it is given to you from above. He shook Pilate up. Pilate then looks at Jesus and says, well, they say that you're a king, are you a king? And Jesus' answer is so important. Make sure you listen. Jesus' answer to the question, are you a king? He says, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, that you would know I am king. In fact, the essence of the story around the crucifixion was Jesus entering into the city as king, celebrated for one day as king, and then the crowd turned on him and rejected him as king. It's not enough to just celebrate Jesus one day of the year. It's not enough to celebrate Jesus one day of the week. When you capture the truth that Jesus is king, he's king 24-7, and that's why he came. He said, it's that reason that you would understand that I am a king, that I was born for that reason. Hundreds of years before Jesus was 
brought onto the planet, hundreds of years before his birth, he was promised to come as the king. Many of the prophets wrote about the coming of Christ, prophesied, promised the coming of Christ. Isaiah is an incredible prophet that you should read that hundreds of years before Jesus describes the coming of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the power of Jesus. Daniel is another incredible prophet that hundreds of years before Jesus was born told us that there is a king that is coming to the earth and promised it very, very accurately. We're going to open up Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel is writing uh, his prophecy about the coming King Jesus, and he writes these words, 70 weeks. Now, if you're a Bible student, and if you're taking notes, I want you to know that the word weeks is a Jewish idiom. It is not seven days. It is a compilation of seven years, a week of years, seven years. And they would use it as a cycle that was in their um, culture that every seven years they were supposed to let the land lie in rest as a Sabbath. So they would call it a week of years. Now, they weren't very good at keeping the Sabbath. They weren't very good at resting. They were very much like our culture. No rest, work, 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 work. And that's actually why they got to Babylon. This prophecy is written from Babylon, not from Jerusalem. And why would the prophet Daniel be in Babylon? Because the Babylonians had come in, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, took captive the people, and hauled them to Babylon in slavery. Daniel was an exemplary young man, and he rose to the heights. And he was recognized as a prophet. And he's writing this prophecy about 70 weeks, or 70 times 7, which would be... 490. Thank you very much. Very quick with the math. He's writing about a series of 490 years. Now this is a very important 490 years because he said here's what's going to happen. In this period of 490 years, the holy city, that's Jerusalem, your people, that's the Jewish people, are going to see something amazing happen. You're going to see uh, a finish to transgression. You're going to see an end of sin. That's important. You're going to see an atonement for iniquity. You're going to see an everlasting righteousness. And both the vision and the prophet are going to be sealed. And there's going to be a most holy place. So something significant is happening in this period. An end of sin, an atonement for sin, and an atonement for iniquity. He goes on to explain this is going to happen as the king comes on the planet. Next verse he says, no one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Remember, when Daniel is writing, he's writing this from where? Babylon. Uh, for you people that know geography, uh, Babylon is north, south, east, or west from the city of Jerusalem. It would be east, right? That's the right answer. It would be what? You don't, don't miss that. So I want you to, uh, it would be, and the right answer is east, uh, it would be Right, okay, good. Just catch that. Because that's going to come up later on in the message, and I don't want you to miss it. Babylon is east of Jerusalem. The holy city is east of Jerusalem. And it was at this time when Daniel is writing the prophecy, it's in ruins. But he said there's going to be a decree. The decree is going to go forth. 
to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, for you note-takers, you'll want to write down 445 B.C., 445, 445 B.C., because that's the year that Artaxerxes issued the decree that Daniel is talking about. It hasn't happened yet when he's writing this, but 445 B.C. When that proclamation goes out, there's going to come an anointed one in the Hebrew language, a Messiah. The Messiah is going to come, the anointed one, the one chosen by God who is going to be a ruler. The Hebrew word means to be leader, ruler. Some translate this Messiah king, that he's prophesying the anointed king, the Messiah king, the ruler is going to come. Now, between when the decree goes forth and this Messiah king shows up, there's going to be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Seven plus 62 is how much? Thanks, you're sharp. Some of you are looking at me like, I don't want to do any math. I don't, I don't want to. Listen, when you come to church, don't stop thinking. Think. And if you think on this, you're going to look at this and go, wow. Wow. Because 69 times 7 is how much? Ah, now I got you. 69 times 7, 483. Okay, now so 483 years from the issuing of the decree of Artaxerxes. That would be... 173,888. I just did that in my head. <laughs> I'm a savant. 173,000. Here, I wrote it down for you because this will be easier. He says there's going to be 69 weeks of sevens. So there's going to be 483 years or one, now 173,888. Now, that's because... The Jewish year, the Babylonian year as well, was a lunar year, a lunar, lunar calendar. We're on the Gregorian calendar. In our years, there's 365 days, 365 and a quarter days in a year. <coughs> in their calendar, 360 days. That's how you get 173,880 days. Now, from the day that Artaxerxes issued the decree that Jerusalem be, be restored, which is the prophecy we just read, until the triumphant entry of Christ. Guess how many days it is? I wrote it down for you so you couldn't miss it. I just want you to see that when Jesus was prophesied as king, he wanted people not to miss it. Now, in Jesus' birth, lots of people missed it. And in this Christmas season, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to be with the many. I want you to be with the few. Jesus said there's a narrow road. There's a few people on it. A few people get it. So get this. These uh, Babylonians had a record of Daniel. He wrote it down in the word of God. And that word came to us. So the angels knew that Jesus was going to be king. In fact, when Gabriel... Uh, appeared and Jesus was about to be born, he reminds Mary, the one that Daniel uh, prophesied and promised would come is coming. He's going to come through you. You're a virgin, but you're going to conceive. You're going to conceive a child, and you're going to give birth to that son, and that son's name is going to be Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh saves. 
for salvation comes from Yahweh. Every time you say the name of Jesus, you are saying a saving name. When you say in the name of Jesus, it says Yahweh saves. So his name will be called Jesus because he's going to be the Savior who saves us from our sins. How many are glad that Jesus saves us from our sins? <laughs> if you got a lot of them like me, you're very happy about that. That all my sin, all my shame was taken away by Jesus as Savior. But in this Christmas season, it's so important that you just don't see Jesus as Savior, but you see him as the Lord. We call it talking about Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. You can also say it like this, to understand Jesus is your Savior, but he's also your King. Because that changes the way you live your life. Gabriel went on to say to Mary that this Savior, Jesus, Yahweh saves, is going to be born. He's going to be great, and he was great. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High, and he was called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him, watch this, the throne. So he's going to be born a king. He's going to be born to the throne of his father David. Mary was in the family line of David. So he's just emphasizing that when Jesus comes, he's the one that Daniel spoke of hundreds of years ago. He's going to be born to be king. He's going to be born for his father's uh, David's throne. He's going to reign, reign over the household of Jacob for how long? How long? Which means he's eternal. His, his, he never ends. Even, even today, uh, Queen Elizabeth is not going to make it forever, even though it looks like she's going that way. <laughs> Just forever. But she's going to have an end of her reign. But this king that you're going to carry, Mary, he's going to be a king. You're going to carry him. And he's going to go forever, and his kingdom, there will be no end. So this baby that you're about to carry, Mary, he's the one that Daniel prophesied and promised would come onto the earth as king. And when Jesus showed up, because it was written in the Bible, because it was so clearly spelt out when Jesus would come, almost everybody received Jesus as king from the moment of his birth. No. How many people recognize Jesus as king when he was born? Some of the characters we know that recognize Jesus. We know that Mary, Mary was told he's going to be in the household, he's going to be king. So Mary understood that. Joseph recognized the king. They knew this was a special divine child, born by prophecy hundreds of years exactly when he would come onto the earth. Uh, we know that um, those two old people, yes, the shepherds, thank you, I'll come to the, the shepherds, they were told by the angels to come, and so they recognized Jesus at his birth. Uh, when Jesus went to the temple to be dedicated, those two old people, Anna and Simeon, uh, they recognized Jesus in that whole, it would be like Jesus coming to church and only two of you recognizing him. That, I just want you to know it's the few that get this. I just want to make sure you're in the few. And you don't miss out on the importance of this. This season of celebration, which is more than about a baby, more than about the trees, more than about the lights. It's the fact that the king of all kings has come onto the planet. And so Anna recognized him. Simeon recognized him. In fact, Simeon said, now I can die. I've seen him. 
Uh, that's all I need. And there were those guys that were mentioned in uh, Matthew's story about Jesus, um, the wise men. And the wise men came from the, where'd they come from? This, I want to put this together now. Where was Babylon in relationship to Jerusalem? Just, get, just keep that in mind, okay? So these wise men come, and they came looking for someone, and they knew who they were looking for. They, they knew the one that they were looking for was a king. They come, and it says in Matthew chapter 2 that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod, that was, he was a terrible king. Uh, Herod killed most of his natural family trying to protect his, his throne. And so it was those days of this horrendous king Jesus is about two years old at this time. I know we, we have it on our Christmas cards that the wise men are there at the birth. They weren't there at the birth. They were late. They, they. So if you have a true nativity, you should have them over somewhere on the mantle, far away. They're on their way. They're coming. If you want to really do it right, Jesus, Mary, Joe, they're all there. But the wise men, they're off somewhere else. Takes them a couple of years because Herod, this king we just read about, issued a decree when he couldn't find Jesus that all of the children under two be murdered, killed. So these wise men are coming to Herod, and behold, these wise men came from where? From the east to Jerusalem. And what were they looking for? This is so important. They were lo- Here's what they said. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? We're looking for a king. We're looking for a king. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to do what? We've come to worship this king. Now, why would these men of import come to this backwater place, Judea? wasn't a leading nation. It was actually under the thumb of Rome. It was a slave nation at that time. Why would they come to acknowledge the king of this backwater place? This was not the the New York of its day. It it wasn't the Paris of its day. It wasn't wasn't even the Sarasota of its day. The jewel of Florida. I've got to be very careful here. And please take, take this just the way I'm trying to teach it. It would be like the Mayaka city of, the, of this. Okay, I lost a little segment of my audience. But just, you all, I know you may not know this, but Mayaka city is a long way from New York. And Judea was a long way from Rome. Rome was the city of import. These guys came to a backwater community searching for the king because this king was so important they wanted to worship him. Now, why did they do that? Remember where they came from. They came from the east. Babylon is to the east. It is more than likely that the one that is called Daniel, also called by his Babylonian name, Belshazzar, is identified as chief of the Magi. When he was in their culture, he was so outstanding with his life of God that he became chief over all of the Magi. He was, the fam- he was one of the famous historic Magi, and he wrote stuff. Oh, we have it. It's called the Book of Daniel. And that Book of Daniel was studied by whom? 
Well, it should have been studied by the Hebrew scholars, but the Magi of Babylon were studying the text, the scriptures, the writings of Babylon, and they figured out, when did Artaxerxes make that proclamation, 445 B.C., okay? Let's count forward the, the times that he gave of the weeks, and they figured out when Jesus was going to be born, and they came from the east so that they could worship the one that Daniel prophesied would be born king. Wow. Now, why is that important? Because hundreds of years before, God had orchestrated that people wouldn't miss Jesus being king. Do you know what Jesus would like now? He would like for everybody on the planet to recognize him as king. Because if you recognize him as king, it changes your life. You recognize that he not only saved you from your past, he not only saved you from your sins, thanks be to God, but he's the king that's going to direct your life this week. He has some things to say to you. He's trying to speak to you today. And when you acknowledge him as king, you say, yes, sir. Because you're king. And there's not a fight for the throne. It's not you trying to be on the throne and him be on the throne because Jesus is king. And when you see that, your whole world changes. And Christmas changes. It's not just about singing some songs and about lighting some lights and giving some presents. It's about acknowledging my life has been saved. My past has been taken care of, thanks be to God. But I have a king who is leading me into my future, and I want to listen to what he says. I want to study his word. I want to follow every place he leads me because he is my king. Yeah, we can affirm that. Let's, let's all affirm that. Okay, let's all of us that believe that affirm that. And let me show you why this is so important as, a, as an illustration. When Nicodemus came to Jesus searching for wisdom in John chapter 3, he approached Jesus and he speaks to him. And he comes to Jesus by night and notice how he addresses Jesus. He says, Rabbi. So he acknowledges Jesus as a rabbi. That's nice. He acknowledges him as a teacher. You are a teacher. I acknowledge that you're, you're a wise teacher. You're from God. You're not only a teacher, you're a teacher that's come from God. And you must be from God because no one can do the signs, the wonders, the miracles uh, that you do unless God is with him. So he notice how he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus as a rabbi. He sees him as a teacher. He sees him as a miracle worker. But that's not enough. It's not for enough for us in this Christmas season to say Jesus was a beautiful little baby who came and said some nice things, and he taught us about love, and he was a wise, he even did some miracles. It's not enough for us to see him in that limited capacity, because in the middle of um, Nicodemus saying these laudatory things, saying these compliments as he's laying them on, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you're a miracle worker, you must be from God, Jesus interrupts him with a strong voice and, and just start saying, hey, truly, truly, he said it twice because it's important. Verily, verily, truly, truly. Could I get your attention, please? Stop talking. Because you see me as a rabbi, you see me as a teacher, you see me as a wonder worker, but that's not enough. You got to see why I was born. What was the purpose of Jesus' birth? That we would see him as king. He says that to Pilate that you would know that I am king. And so he interrupts 
the, the, uh, the laudatory words of Nicodemus, and here's the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus spent a lot of time of his ministry talking about the kingdom of God. He would tell parables. Over half of what Jesus says was stories. And his parables would go like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And he would tell a story. The kingdom of God is like this. When he taught us to pray, what did he teach us to pray? We call it the Lord's Prayer, the Model's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer. How did he teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. So he's always talking about the kingdom because he wants people to think, okay, God has a kingdom. Who is the king of this kingdom? The one that Daniel prophesied. Who is that one? And Jesus wanted them to come to not just see him as teacher, rabbi, miracle worker. He wanted them to be aware of the kingdom of God and the fact the very one you're talking to, Nicodemus, is more than a miracle worker, more than a rabbi, more than a teacher. The king is sitting in front of you right now. Let me tell you, friends, the king is in the house right now. He's here. He's here. And his greatest, his greatest desire is that you would see him. And he says, Nicodemus, in order for you to see, you've got to have a rebirth. He calls it born again. You've got you to get out of the limited world you're living in and get into a bigger way of seeing things. How many believe that when, before you're born, you live in a very small world? Can you remember? Well, it's rather small. And, and the, the day, whatever day it was for you, you know your day of birth, the day that you were born, you moved from a little world into a whole new world. And you went, wow. It's big out here. I was... Uh, reading this last week, and I, I came across a, a tale of two babies. These are, these are twins. Anyone here a twin? Any twins? Twins? Yeah, twins. That means you were womb mates. So here are two womb mates, and they're having a conversation uh, with each other. And this is the Metaphor, the analogy Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you've got to awaken to a whole new world. And when you awaken to a whole new world, you're going to see the kingdom. And when you see the king of the kingdom, then you understand the kingdom. So these two babies are talking to each other in the mother's womb. And one, one of the babies says to the others, do you believe that there's life beyond the womb? And the other replies, why, of course. There has to be something after delivery. I think we're here to prepare ourselves for a better life later. Nonsense, said the baby that asked the question. There's no life after the womb. What kind of life would that be anyway? So the other baby thinks about it and says, well, I, I think there'll be more light than there is in here. I, I think maybe we'll walk on these legs and we could even eat from our mouth. 
sibling replies and says, that's absurd. Walking is impossible. I've never walked a day in my life. And eating, eating, that's ridiculous. This utility umbilical, not utility, umbilical cord. <laughs> this umbilical cord supplies all the nutrition we need, and, and there can't be any life outside the womb because this cord just won't stretch that far. Well, the other baby said, I think there's something different out there. Well, I don't believe it. No one's ever come back from there. <laughs> delivery is the end. After delivery, there's just nothingness but darkness. Well, I don't know, said the baby that was thinking about life after the womb. I think that we'll see our mother and our father when we get out there. Mother? You believe there's a mother? Where is she now? Well, she's all around us. We're living because of her. And without her, this world wouldn't exist. I don't believe in her. I can't see her. It doesn't seem logical that she exists. Well, I believe that if you're quiet sometimes, you can hear and sense her. I believe there is a reality in life after the womb, and we're here to prepare ourselves for that reality. Jesus is sitting across from Nicodemus saying, Nicodemus, you're living in a small world. I am not just a rabbi. I am not just a teacher. I'm not just a wonder worker. I am the king that Daniel prophesied. I am the king whose eternity is never going to end. And when you see that, when you see that, it changes your days. Because every day you get up saying, Jesus, you're the king. What do you want to do today? I've made some plans. I've written some things down. But what are the plans you have? When we come into a service, Lord, we've written some things down. We have some things here. But what are your plans for this service? In fact, even now, if we clue into the fact that Jesus is the king, we, we ask ourselves, uh, Jesus, you're here right now. What are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say? I want to hear what you would say to me because you're the king. Scott just works for you. I get that, and that's the truth. You're the king of this church, and I want to hear from you, and I want to be led by you, and I want this season to be filled of the fact that Jesus is king. I hope you take these. We got them on the way out. Uh, there's a lot of ways to greet people this Christmas, and some people get all upset about how you greet and happy holidays, and I don't mind saying happy holidays because these are holy days. I don't mind that. I don't mind saying Merry Christmas. I like saying Merry Christmas. But maybe we could also slip in there uh, also that Jesus is king. Because Jesus is king. Give it to them as a little witness that he's more than just a baby born in the manger. In fact, he knew the purpose he was born when he was with Pilate. I was born to be king. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. 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 Uh, let's uh, stand together for prayer. Can we do that? Can we close our eyes? Can we open our hearts?
Can those who are going to be ministering to people in prayer, can they come immediately and just stand with me here? And I want to give an invitation for every single person listening, every single person receiving this message to have a dynamic relationship with the King, to have a dynamic relationship with Jesus, to begin that relationship for the very first time or to renew that relationship if it's grown cold, that this would be a moment that you understand he's more than a baby. He was prophesied. He was promised. He was announced by angels, and he came to fulfill this purpose. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then he says that I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. I want you to be in my family. And so we respond to him by saying, I believe in you. A few verses after this encounter with Nicodemus, as Jesus says, you must be born again. He says, the way to do that is to believe in me. If you believe in me, John 3.16, if you believe in me, you'll have eternal life. You've got to see me for who I am and believe in me. And so we're going to pray a prayer that says, I see you, Jesus. I see you as not just teacher, not rabbi, not miracle worker, but I see you as the promised king who will have a kingdom and has a kingdom that's existing right now and will exist forever. And I want to be in that kingdom. I want to be in that family. I want to be with you, Jesus. So I invite you to begin a relationship with Jesus, to restore a relationship with Jesus. And we believe this in our heart. The Bible says believe in your heart, but then it's important that you confess with your mouth. So we're going to pray just a, a prayer of faith, a community prayer. And I want to lead the prayer, and I'm just going to ask you to pray these simple words out loud because God loves to hear your voice and just respond to Jesus. Because I know he's in this room, and I know he's knocking at your heart. And if you open your heart's door, the, your soul, your life's door, he'll come in and be the best friend you ever had, your king who chooses to be your friend. And so we pray together and we lift our voice. Let's say together, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I open my heart, my life, my soul to Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are my king. I repent of my sins and I leave them behind. And I receive your forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for loving me. And never giving up on me. Now help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a good prayer. Bless the Lord. Yes, we can affirm that. Yeah, we can affirm that prayer. <clears throat> so if you are beginning a relationship with Jesus, it's essential that you'll let one of our prayer team know. In a few moments, I prayed with Scott. I'm beginning a relationship. Or... You're restoring, renewing a relationship with Jesus. Don't do it by yourself. God doesn't want you to live in isolation. He wants you to be part of a community. He wants others to hear of your faith that you're expressing in Christ. So you come forward in a moment, pray with one of our prayer team, or whatever need is in your life for healing, for freedom, for breakthrough, for finances, for whatever needs you have. The king is in the house. He's very interested in your life. He loves you more than you will ever realize. And he'd like to bring change to you. 
He'd like to help you. He'd like to bring salvation to you. And so whatever your need is, you can come forward and pray. And while people are praying and receiving from Jesus, uh, if you'd like to receive communion, there's a communion station on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer or communion, but you can come forward to receive communion. And just focus on the king at communion. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that Jesus died on the cross for all of your sin and all of your shame. He took them all away. He went into the tomb and he rose on the third day and he's here right now. Jesus is in the house. The king is here. And we need to recognize that. Not get caught up in all the religion. Imagine the wise men traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles. We don't know how long it took them to get to Bethlehem, but they went the distance and the religious leaders that lived in Jerusalem were like an afternoon's walk to Bethlehem and they didn't make that walk. They were so close. Don't be close to Jesus without recognizing him in this season. Draw close. Let your relationship grow. So I'm going to pray a prayer of a blessing. And after that blessing, there's no other benediction. People will come forward for prayer, for communion, worshiping with the worship team, going with the grace of God. I would say if you've been a guest with us today, thank you so much for coming. We know that God has an incredible plan for your life. And we'd love to see that plan fulfilled in you, through you. And uh, we know that God loves you more than you understand. And we all need to grow in our understanding of how much we are loved by God and the wonderful plan that he has for our lives that we want to live into. So if you've been a guest today or you're new to the fellowship and you've never had the opportunity to stop by our VIP room, if you've never done that, today's your day, please. It's back on the left-hand side. And we'd like to gift you. We'd like to greet you. And you matter to us. You matter to, to our King, Jesus. So I pray this prayer, and I pray the Lord uh, will bless you and keep you. And I'm just going to open my hands towards heaven as I pray this prayer. You feel comfortable to close your eyes and open your hands towards heaven as well. It's a Bible position of praying. And I just pray that the blessing of the Lord will fall upon you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you will receive all that God has for you. I pray that the God of hope will fill you with all joy in this season and all peace, the shalom of God, will increase in you as you trust in God. Not leaning on your own understanding, not following your own plan or your own agendas, but trusting in God. And then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And all of God's kids say, amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord just a thank you. We love you, Jesus. You are the king. And uh, come forward for prayer. Come forward for communion.